Hi folks, before we start the podcast, I would like to mark an occasion. It's strange, but the Tortoise Shack is five years old. Uh, yeah, in September 2017, I sat down with uh, Baldy and I said, come on, we start a podcast. And then on a Thursday evening, he came over and we got an iPad and some gamer headsets. Thousands of podcasts later, various new podcasts introduced to the media and lots and lots and lots of uh Things we're proud of, and we've made lots of mistakes as well, to tell the truth, but we've, but we're have we still here. We're putting out the content, we're having conversations, and thousands of people are listening. It's In fact, it's tens of thousands, and it's just, it's fantastic. I just can't get my head around it. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's contributed, everybody who's encouraged, everybody who has discouraged all of our guests. It's been absolutely phenomenal to, to speak to so many amazing people, get to know so many amazing people, and the people we get to work with. The Working with Caroline, Martin, Rory, Joella, Benita, Deborah, James, Timmy, uh, I, I mean, obviously Dr. Vicky Conway, um, and so, so many more. Um, we have had a really 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 amazing five years and i want to thank you the listener uh because it really helps to know that people out there get something from these podcasts it means that we keep going even if it is difficult at times and i appreciate it i really do appreciate it thank you so much uh, for five years of support and we hope that there's many more years to come thank you Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves, and I'm sick of saying that at this stage, Martin. And I actually—I think we're sick here, Natani. I think when you say Echo Chamber podcast, we automatically know you're the, going to be the first voice we hear now. But the, but the beauty of it is, everybody hits that forward thirty second button. They're like, yeah, good, good, good riddance to that fella. Will you just give us the meat, you know? Um, and and do folks always hit that button? But all, all but you know, nonetheless, uh, it's nice to see you, pal. How are you doing this Monday? This Monday afternoon i'm still alive which is great yeah well we'll talk about that maybe during the week and see yeah. just how alive you are <laughs> there's, there, there's been a few there's been a few uh doctor's appointments between there and now but look we'll see how we get on look we long-time listeners will remember we had a a Really, really fascinating conversation a couple of years ago with Shona Dylan McLaughlin um, from the uh, Irish Rule of Law International and, you know, some of the work that they were doing. I think we were just heading into one of the lockdowns on the pandemic and, and she was talking about work that was being done in Kenya and how, how Irish Rule of Law were actually helping support people and people who people who are struggling for human rights and and it was something that we should have revisited sooner hands up we should, really should have gone back to and, and and cover this in more detail and that's why we are delighted today to be joined by the executive director of irish rule of law international angus kelly angus thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us thanks very much for having me lads much appreciated not, not at all. Look, you have um, obviously that you've a fascinating story where where you've been, the things you've covered, and the work you do. But bear in mind that a lot of our new listeners won't even have a clue what um, IRLIR. Do you mind just giving them an outline of 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 who you guys are and and the kind of advocacy and actual frontline work that that you you have been doing? In the name of the Irish citizen across in the, some of the some of the most interesting and complex places in on the globe. 
Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Tony. Much appreciated. I will have to be a pain the arse lawyer now and correct you and say that Shona was talking about Malawi, not Kenya, but uh, still part of the same Anglo common law, sub-Saharan African sphere, if you will. And Kenya is somewhere, somewhere we actually were looking at potentially working in the future. We had a very interesting series of meetings with the Kenyan ambassador to Ireland recently. And, uh, you know, that whole space of Ireland's presence as the only holy uh, common law uh, mainly Anglophone country in the European Union is a particular unique selling point for the country at the moment. And we have a lot of experience and knowledge within the legal professions, obviously, but also in the wider uh, community in our state that could be really, and in our islands that could be really useful in a lot of countries in Africa as we share that legal tradition um, with those countries. Um, so, so you know, what, what IRLI is, is Arjul Law International was founded in 2007. It was set up by the Bar and the Law Society in Ireland. And, you know, the Bar and the Law Society and lawyers in general get a hard time uh, in the media and from your, yourselves and others, and rightfully so at times, and I think a bit unfairly at other times, but that's the nature of debate and discussion. And that's a good thing. And lawyers should be well able for that, given uh, their profession. But, um, you know, the, the organization was set up by a group of lawyers, but barristers and solicitors um, who wanted to do work to utilize the work uh, of lawyers in across in other parts of the world that aren't so fortunate as ourselves. Um, you know, we're very fortunate on our island. You know, we might realize it, but, you know, I'm just off the, the Zoom, not off the phone, off the Zoom um, to one of the professors over in the University of Chicago. And she's bringing a group of students over here next year and wanted some contacts, but also some contacts for people to discuss in Ireland because they were looking at Ireland as unlike a lot of Europe and indeed the Western world as a success when it comes to the rule of law and um, the political system, stability, et cetera, et cetera. And I think even though we think that things are difficult and you guys rightly shine a light on a lot of problems that we have in our society, um, uh, particularly in certain sections of our society and certain groups who are massively discriminated against and aren't um, able to exercise their rights, we are compared to most places in the world very, very uh, lucky and very, very successful. So that was set up in 2007 by the Bar and the Law Society. Um, and then in 2015, the Bar and the Law Society for Northern Ireland joined. And that's a very important thing for us, that we're a cross-border organisation, that we represent the legal professions both in the Republic and the North, and that crossover between an EU member state, the Republic, and um, and uh, you know a constituent part of the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, is very, very important to us that we're representing um, the legal professions across the island of Ireland. And then, you know, we work, we work at the moment, we've worked in many countries, we worked in Bosnia, Kosovo, Vietnam, uh, Myanmar, Ethiopia, Uganda, uh, Kenya before, but at present our work is focused on Malawi, Tanzania, Zambia and South Africa. And then we're looking shortly, we'll be starting a project in Somalia. And then we'll also do a project with um, a number of Afghan judges who were spirited away under threat of death from Afghanistan and have now been resettled in Ireland. And those 10 female Afghan judges um, and their families, running to about 43 people, um, have been resettled in Ireland and the work of the Bar and the Law Society and you know various government agencies and an awful lot of volunteers from across the legal professions uh, they're now entering education in 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 Limerick in Dublin in Maynooth and um, in the law society uh, upskilling themselves after getting intensive language lessons a lot from volunteer trainee solicitors um, from Blackhall Place um, and those those ladies are going to their their aims is obviously to enter the legal professions here in Ireland then Malawi we do a lot of work on access to justice a lot of problems there with unrepresented accused people spending months, years, decades in prison without having ever faced trial. You also have a situation where women who've had stillborn child or uh, 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 or another um, 
prenatal uh, problem, um, uh, you know, a stillborn child or, or, or have had some sort of backstreet abortion, they get then get arrested and thrown into prison and never uh, are never um, face trial of any sort. Um, and we work with a lot on getting those ladies out, uh, those girls. They're often teenage girls, to be frank with you. And then we do a lot of work on with child diversion in Malawi, taking kids out of the criminal justice system, trying to give them skills and knowledge so that they won't um, act criminally again. They can go back into education or into employment. We do a lot of work on uh, advocacy on the death penalty, which still exists in Malawi with other like-minded organizations. We do a lot of work on strategic litigation with other like-minded organizations. We do a lot of work on trying to improve the practices and procedures of the police, um, et cetera, et cetera, over there. So that's a kind of very wide ranging and that's funded by you and me and every member of this country. I was just going to ask about funding, Angus. That's an awful lot of work. How do you manage the funding? Just going to pause the podcast for a moment to ask you to help us. Uh, We rely on listeners. We have no ads, no sponsors. It is purely listener-led, listener-driven. Maybe value is led and then listener driven, but nonetheless, it's all it's all of one big family. So if you can, if you enjoy what we do, go to patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. The link is right there on the podcast that you're listening to now. Have a look at the levels, see if there's something that you're happy to chip in to keep those mics on. It's a lot of work. We know the content goes out for free, but that does not mean that it doesn't have value. This is the way you can help pay it forward and keep us going. Uh, patreon.com forward slash tortoise and i'll let you get back to the podcast thank you so much well we get so we get uh we get stipends from the bars and the law societies and then uh this year for the first time we uh the law society put us on the list of organizations that uh, solicitors across the republic could opt into and they were hugely generous over 80 percent of solicitors opted into giving us a donation of 25 euros when they um when they renewed their practicing certificate so we're very very lucky in that regard we also get our pro- projects in malawi and tanzania are funded um by uh by the state uh, they're funded by the embassies in both those jurisdictions um and they're hugely helpful to us and hugely engaged with our work so that you know that's done in in our name not just in the names of the legal professions it's done in the names of every citizen of this island and beyond um so is there is there a huge appetite for i suppose what we'd call good law and good good lawmakers across the world is there a huge appetite for them yeah, I would say there is a massive appetite and, you know, not without its problems and not without its difficulties. And, you know, we've grown a lot in the last three years um, and projects wise and interaction wise, but we see massive opportunities. There's an awful lot of people, an awful lot of really highly skilled, intelligent people in the countries we work in. And the problem in most of those countries isn't the ability of a lot of the people we're working with. It's the lack of systems. It's the lack of systems that are built over many years. Um, certainly there are leftovers from remnants of, of previous uh, political issues in this countries and colonialism, um, but it's a lack of systems and oftentimes mixed in with um, corruption issues and also mixed in with expanding populations where you don't have the system in place and the population grows and grows and the system then becomes weaker and weaker because it's more and more stretched as it would be in any country. We're seeing this in the housing situation right now. It's the same scenario. It's a different um, way, a different area, but it's the same scenario of systems being stretched due to the needs being much greater than previously envisioned. And we've watched, um, it's an intro, I, 
I, I can't help be struck by the idea of that sending sending people almost as 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 legal advocates for human rights law for for supporting these things because I don't know if you saw recently yet again Cuba stepped up to the plate and sent people to doctors yet again to to Italy to help in a, a situation whereby they couldn't maintain in a certain region enough enough doctors. We see this now, and you're you're so. On the basis of what what you guys are doing, what you're saying is we we we're identifying these areas where we understand people aren't able to get there's not reasonable legal representation, or there may not be the structures to actually to to do it. Can you give us a, a sense of some of the more complex issues you face in on the ground in some of these countries that you've gone to? Uh, uh, because again, going back to some of the things we knew when we spoke to Sean, you spoke about the ideas of people going into the uh, the the prison system and not being able to get get access to to legal representation to actually you know talk about their cases can you broaden that out maybe and talk about some of the other experiences you may have had yourself yeah well i suppose the first most important thing to say is that whenever we go to a country it's very important that the first thing and i've sat in so many meetings and said this it sounds almost trite to me because i've heard myself say it so many times the first thing we do is we say look we're not here to tell you what to do and that's really really important because I'm not coming in as a foreigner saying, I know Zambia, I know Malawi, I know Tanzania, I know South Africa, I know Somalia, I know Sierra Leone, I know anywhere better than you. I don't. I don't, I won't, and I can't. What I can do is say, I'm here, and my colleagues were here to help. Where do you think we could usefully help you? And that's really, really important, because I've seen this in my personal experience of, of well-meaning or not, because sometimes they're very well-paid people who are just there on a, on a junket. Some people are like that. Um, that's not our case. I can say that hand on heart. Um, but um, those people coming in, um, it, it has to be on the basis of you're going there to help the people who who work in that country. Now, of course, the counterpoint to that argument is always, well, those countries got big, you know, they often have question marks politically um, or corruption-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a difficult one to balance at times, but it's really, really important still to, to realize this is their country, not ours. And you so, have to accept that. I and suppose those- dealing with corruption starts with a functioning judicial system, with a judicial system that can hold people to account. Is that always the focus? Is is a functioning judicial system? I, I think it's hugely important. And, you know, the work where we, we're doing two, pro- we're starting two projects now. One is funded um, uh, by advocates for international development uh, they manage a program called the rule of law uh, expertise united kingdom which comes from the foreign commonwealth development office in london and that's looking at child diversion it's looking at building on our experience and our malawian colleagues experience in malawi on child diversion and trying to 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 see how we can help our zambian colleagues um, and not so much introduce but um, sensitize and improve their ability to do that. They're very open and interested in doing that because Malawi is a much poorer country than Zambia, yet it's not as progressive on this point. And the work we do in Malawi, it's not just Irish lawyers going out there or Northern Irish lawyers going out there. It's also, it's all, it's also our, we have, you know, lawyers and team members in our team in Malawi who are Malawian. So it's not just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of white savior stuff going on here. There's, we have big interaction and, and we're working with Malawian organizations on the ground and Zambian organizations on the ground. Every single day so you know on, on that that's one project and then the second project and which is which is just about to, to start hopefully is going to be funded again by you by this taxpayer by the by the embassy irish embassy in in lusaka and that's looking at uh it's looking at a thing called camp courts 
which is a way of decongesting prisons, of dealing with the realities of resources in poor countries where you bring the legal officials to the prisons and deal with the documentation, et cetera, et cetera, in the prison and run the court in the yard of the prison. Mm -hmm because it's way less resource intensive. So we're trying to utilize that knowledge we've gained in Malawi and our Malawian colleagues and bring that to Zambia. And the second part is actually focused on corruption. And then the president who came into power, HH, um, he himself, a former political prisoner, he's a very successful businessman, and he has a big focus on proceeds of crime, criminal assets, um, you know, legal systems for dealing with those things. And as you know, our country was very flawed in its way of dealing with these things for many, many years. It's still not perfect, but we had, unfortunately, the assassination of Veronica Guerin and other issues around that that led to a massive change in that. So because we're a small country and we're not hugely resource heavy because just because of our size, um, that's something that we hope and think that we can uh, utilize the skills of, of uh, criminal justice chain actors from both jurisdictions in the island to help our colleagues in, in, in Zambia. And they're very interested to do that. There's a new chief justice there. There's a new head of the Anti-Corruption Commission. And one of my colleagues is down there right now in Lusaka as we speak in meetings because I just got sent photos and earlier on meeting the head of the Anti-Corruption Commission. So again, this is something we help, we hope and think we can do work um, with our Zambian colleagues. And again, but with that very, very important preamble of, you know, we're coming here to help you. We're not perfect. We're not saying we know everything about Zambia, but... Uh, how can we help you and what can we do? And then we sit down with them and they tell us what we can work on. And then we go back and forth. And then, you know, like anything in life, as you build faith with people, you know, they're more inclined to listen to you. Would you blame, would you blame them for being, would you blame anyone for being a little bit skeptical given their, their historical experiences? So you build, you build trust, you build uh, human relationships and life's about human relationships. And that's really, really important. And, and, and this side of things, building those human relationships, building your bona fides, showing people what you can do. And that takes time. And that's a big problem for Is us it? as a society, our, 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 our ability to, uh, to realize that things take time. Does it help that we are a non-colonial country and that we never colonized anybody? When you say you're from Ireland, does that carry weight that we're a neutral country, that we have our own independent legal system? Does that carry some weight when you go abroad? No, for sure it does. And, you know, as a good Serbian friend of mine said to me many years ago, you're, you've got a great propaganda vein in, in Hollywood, which is very helpful to you because people see these films around the world. And Irish America has been very helpful in pushing that propaganda line. Um, I also think another thing that's been much challenged, um, and understandably so, by yourselves and many other people across the island is the, is the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches. But they have done enormous amounts of work in in a lot of countries and they have had problems like we've had problems but also you know i've gone into multiple taxis in dublin and galway and cork um, and talk to guys who are from different parts of africa and they'll tell me they were educated by the christian brothers or the holy ghost fathers or the mars or the jesuits or whoever yeah i've sat in prisons in zambia with jesuit priests who have worked their behinds off to get people out who've been inside 15 years with no court process yeah, it is. It's a, there is a huge deficit, particularly particularly in African countries. And I know that the Catholic Church is actually growing in in Catholic countries. Well, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of competition in that in the in that as well. In some in some uh, yeah, but I, I, for sure there's competition. But I don't think it's not just about bums on seats in churches. There's actually a lot of people who are putting their arse and gear. You know, I, I, I I'm sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to belittle the work absolutely yeah. not i just i think it's really it's really important and crucial but what i, I suppose like i want to when i talk about it when i think when i listen to it you know we see now 
uh, and I, I talk about it on this podcast all the time um, with the the likes of, say, the um, t- Global Tax Alliance, and they will talk about tax colonialism now, yeah. whereby, you know, uh, that's that's a different format of, of keeping people poor, you know, and, and, and actually... I mean, I saw today there was uh, the athletic, uh, the the sports website were reporting that Luis Diaz, the Liverpool player's um, hometown, has been destroyed by the Serahan mine. And they were saying, you know, this is sports washing because the, the company that sponsored Liverpool's jersey uh, actually support the company that do that do this um what we call blood coal on this on this on this podcast but yeah, yeah. What, what i find quite funny about it is is the the company that actually does that is based in dublin for tax purposes yeah, yeah. so so we have to be very honest about this okay i i that's not to, that again seems like i'm having a go at the work of individuals i am not i'm saying we just have to we have to be you know, we broader our minds of what colonialism means nowadays it, it also it also captured the financial system can I ask you, you, you've mentioned corruption several times, and I know you've been to Libya, and now we see the situation in Libya, uh, how, it, how it's evolved. Is there anything we can sort of look at there that, that, that in, 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 in terms of, of the Libyan situation that uh, Irish rule of law learnings you, you took away from it in, in terms of some of the situations? Because it, is, it continues to be a very a big concern as we keep hearing the rise of this dreaded phrase, Fortress Europe. Yeah, well, I suppose on Libya, I wasn't working for IRLI at the time. I was working for the European Union Border Assistance Mission. I was seconded by the Irish government. So again, representing you, the the taxpayer, but Irish citizens. Libya is a really difficult situation. And, you know, uh, I have the good fortune to have a good few Libyan friends or Libyan Irish friends. And uh, like the vast majority of them will tell you, very frankly, that given what's eventuated over the last 11 years, they would much prefer to have Gaddafi back than be in the present situation. And I wouldn't blame them for a second. I don't, you know, I'm not sure that it's, it's an either or personally, but I wouldn't blame them for a second. Cause it's very hard, very hard to say that it has improved anything for anybody there, Angus. Oh no, I think it's disimproved that the problem with the argument is that, you know, let Gaddafi, you know, dictatorships always blow up. Mm-hmm. They always blow up. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. They blow up. So, you know, if you got, if you kept Gaddafi in power, what happens now? Some of my friends would say, you know, Saif would have come in. He was more reformist. Others would say that's BS. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a Libyan political expert. I'm not. There's many other much more qualified Irish and uh, Libyan uh, observers, experts and lawyers who could talk to you about that but in a much better, in a much more concrete and better informed way. But I think Libya is hugely problematic for, in many ways, the respect for human rights, the ability of people to live, to live, to prosper, to grow. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine this this morning. He was asking me about the situation in Ukraine and Russia. And, you know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my Jordanian barber a few months ago up there, um, not far from our offices on Church Street. And he said his favorite thing, he lived in Ireland for 30 years, and his favorite thing about living in Ireland was it was safe. Yeah. That's something we take for ma- massively for granted in our nice, cosseted lives in this island. And I suppose people up the north uh, have a much uh, more nuanced view on this, particularly if they're over the age of, of 35, probably, because they have lived through a conflict, a different conflict, but a, a, a very much a conflict. And peace is so important and so precious. It is paramount. And if you give people stability and peace and allow them to eat and to have enough uh, food and drink and a sh- roof over their head, uh, most people will be quite happy with that. I, I presume that's a commonality you come across no matter where you go in the world, Angus. 
people just want the same things. Yeah. Decent life, take care of the families, educate their kids, put food on the table. There's no great difference between the people in any country. That's what they want. For sure. And to give them the stability and capability of that through the work you do. Do you think that you see huge change or is it kind of an incremental change? It's always incremental. You know, huge change is, is a mirage, in my view. You never see huge change. It's it's either been, you know, some, you know, some would say in Ireland, people would say, you know, when, uh, you know, repeal uh, the eighth happened, huge change. Repeal, that was just the culmination. That was just the... It took front. decades to get there, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings is, you know, uh, after decades of work, we're an overnight success. Exactly. And, exactly. And, but just can I, like you've, you've mentioned this now, and I, and I want to, we will talk about what you're doing next because it's absolutely fascinating but i think it's really important that when we talk what the work you guys are doing in the organization of bringing a a at least the the expertise and not trying to actually say here's a, something we can copy and paste into your model is is that what is that the sense i'm getting from you that you it's it's a, it's definitely something that going here's what we have our expertise this may not fit for you this may be something that we you know we can tailor so this may be something that that people can learn from and uh that's the kind of idea it's not this um you know we're coming along and we're putting a starbucks on every corner and aren't we all great you know no, for sure. And, you know, like if you look at our project on Tanzania, which is focused on uh, uh, child sexual abuse, cases of child sexual abuse. And we had a very senior member of the Gardaí and then a very senior member of the legal profession, as she's now a judge and and, and a judge go over uh, for two years in a row. And following on from those trips, we've put in place a project. And it's, again, dealing with the judiciary, the interaction between the judiciary and the police on the island of Ireland and Tanzania. Um, and that's about building relationships, but it's about building knowledge, it's about building overviews, how we can pr- uh, progress things and how things can improve. And, you know, the, our Tanzanian colleagues are very realistic about the problems they face and how they're going and to how much time it's going to take and how you have to just incrementally build on these things. So it's very much it's sensitive to their needs and what they want to do and what they think is useful to them and trying to introduce those concepts that we think work here and others in Ireland, especially when it comes to child sexual abuse, we've got lots of experience on how not to do things. And that was very strongly stressed by those senior members of the, of the criminal justice chain from Ireland when they went over. Um, so, you know, that's part of, that's, you know, that's part of it. The other thing is, and, you know, this is where we get into probably some of your listeners probably wouldn't be as in favor of what I'm going to say next, but it also involves, um, you know, the law is a, re- is a, is a, is a realistic thing in many ways it's an ass at times but it also covers all areas of human interaction so like the work we do in south africa which is um is in conjunction with matheson who are one of the biggest law firms in the country and they've generously funded that work for many years that's about upskilling uh lawyers and um, it's usually upskilling lawyers from traditionally disadvantaged black backgrounds black lawyers and that's the initiation of IRL. it started from commercial law lawyers in ireland um, who had skills and they wanted to use those to assist black lawyers after the fall of apartheid and um, because they had skills and they wanted to share those skills and those lawyers from uh, black universities had never got the, the same level of training because that was the way the whole system was set up to 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 discriminate against them and so you know a lot of my friends uh very human rights centered or criminal justice centered friends would go what are you doing this for it's a complete waste of time and my answer is very simple in this regard you know if you want to have most people's interaction with the law in a, in a successful society has nothing to do with criminal justice. It's nothing to do with human rights. It's about how do they deal with when their poor deceased mother or father has passed away? How do they deal with the probate? How do they set up their shop? How do they set up their garage? 
how do they sell their shop to their friend or, you know, not so friend who's taken over or whatever and make a decent price? How do you get those basic commercial dealings that are the building blocks of a successful society? And they're really, really important things. And, you know, I remember, you know, we're looking on that South African things. One of the other things we, I was talking to some people at a conference recently from Uganda, and they said one of the things they lack in the in their legal space in Uganda is the ability. They have to use foreign lawyers all the time and they don't like using that because they don't have the skills internally. So how do you combat that? Well, you upskill those lawyers in the practices as regards commercial law in that country. And that may not be sexy and, you know, like, no, like but it's, it's really only, important. I think it's really crucial work. And 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 this is probably the first positive thing that's been said in five years in this podcast about Matheson. So, <laughs> you know, so so there you go. That they, well, no, I, they, they have a, they have a, I will say they have a, they're very engaged and they have a great, uh, they have an ever-expanding pro bono practice because of a new pro bono partner, et cetera. So they can, I can say my experience was very good. I know others uh, have absolute, absolute, Look, I'm not going to challenge. This is not the conversation to have about, we're, we're here to talk about the positives and how things happen and absolutely the corporate world has to play its part i'm yeah. not uh, i'm not I, we're not we we may be we may be uh utopian in our in our outlook but we're we're, we're pragmatists as, as as the day goes on um i do want to say one last thing that was you mentioned afghanistan and uh getting people out i know from um first-hand experience one of our friends on the on the pod alan moore who who lectures and, and looks after students in in moscow they were today was one of the days they were they were looking to get visas out for people from the embassy in kabul and it was particularly for female students and of yeah. course they decided to detonate a bomb that has killed 10 people injured god knows how many and you know killed many officials so it shows why that work of you know the idea that we have these People retraining in Ireland, these Afghan, Afghan uh, legal experts maybe going to practice in Ireland. It shows the the importance of that sort of stuff because yeah. I know from first hand experience today, Alan was up the walls going, "Are my students safe? Are yeah. they are they well?" And that's that's the reality of it. I I do want to move on to what what's next um, for Angus because it's we've I I don't know if you've listened to the conversations we've had over the last number of months, particularly with say. Um, with with Human Rights Watch and the situation in Ukraine and how it's how it's devolved uh, and yeah. and some of the things that have happened and I know there's been criticisms of reports and we've seen all of this stuff put, put um in playing out in the public domain and some of it's been quite nasty but you Angus you're going to Ukraine now um at the end of this month and you're going to be looking into the really really difficult area of war crimes can you give us a sense of what what why you're doing it what the, what the scope of that is and and what you're hoping to look, achieve yeah, so I'm going over the end of the month. Um, I'm taking a sabbatical from my role as executive director of Irish Legal Law International uh, uh, for six months, and I'm going to Ukraine to uh, work um, for... Um, I'm being seconded by the uh, Department of Foreign Affairs again, uh, so again representing us all, citizens, uh, to work for the European Union Assistance Mission to Ukraine, which is a, a part of the common security and defense policy a series of missions, a bit like what I did in, in Libya and Kosovo. Um, and I'll be working there with for the EU with the Office of the Prosecutor General um, on war crimes cases, in essence. So I, I think the focus will be on it. Most importantly, again, coming with that attitude of, uh, of seeing what help the Ukrainians need. And that's really, really important. And my understanding from talking to other friends and colleagues who've worked there or are working there is that there's some exceptionally able people over there and they know their stuff. Um, so it's going to be working, hopefully, on, on assisting them with crime scene work, but also potentially with um, 
with training capacity building and also then on research and you know legal points of law etc cetera, etc cetera, kind of areas of law like you know one of my personal interests and this has come up was an article in the guardian a few days ago about this issue is and the ukrainian my understanding from talking to friends who are over there working already is that um the ukrainian side are very interested in looking at the issue of ecocide and you know the environmental damage that's being done and this is in the ukrainian criminal code there's a crime of ecocide um, and this is obviously, you know, it's one of the things, it's a very interesting area of law, this crossover between international humanitarian law, the law of war, and uh, destruction of the planet, destruction of the environment. And that, you know, you're using heavy munitions and bombing the BJs out of places, there's residue left for not just mm-hmm. a year or two. You know, we all have seen the famous photos from Southeast Asia, from Vietnam and Cambodia back in the day. But those we don't, we don't, we don't even have to go that far. We mm-hmm. can look at depleted uranium shells yeah, yeah. used in, in by the US in, yes, in, in yes. Iraq. We can look at those. But I just want to, it's very interesting. I get more grief. Than most, Martin, as you know, uh, the guests I get a lot of grief for are uh, Lesia and Maria from the Ukrainian parliament because, you know, their party, our politics would differ. You know, they're 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 of the right. But I knew both of them as environmentalists and ecocide is something that they've actually been talking about from the from the get go. Like that, you know, the the. The idea that the, the Ukrainian land would no longer be arable, that the the you know the forests that they have, all of the all of this, because it's a it's a vast country, it's yeah. and it's quite crucial. But can I can I ask you uh, the do you think it's difficult to be heading off to Ukraine now um, when there's this kind of like we saw that the just just the level of outrage when when Amnesty published a report recently to say that there had been you know war crimes carried out also on the Ukrainian side, not just on the Russian side. It's it, it you'll you'll have to look at this with a cold eye, Angus, and, yep. and, and see it from that perspective. Is it is it a difficult task you you you're, you set yourself? I think that will well hopefully it will be a difficult task because hopefully we'll be able to do enough good work. And if you're able to do enough good work then things become difficult. And that's the responsibility you take and that's okay. Um, always my worry would be that um, you don't get to do the level of work that you want to do um, and that's that's maybe no one that may not be our fault and it may not be the Ukrainians fault it may be just the setup so I don't know and I'm not trying to be flippant but that's just the reality until you get out there and sit there then it's hard to say with any great knowledge you're speaking in a vacuum without having the in-depth knowledge at the place but if you know take that we'll take that as a as a given that we can we can work properly is it going to be tough yeah of course it's going to be tough to tough but not as and you know not as tough as the poor ukrainians who've had to leave their country and and, and flee to other places are not as tough as the guys sitting on the front line getting shot it is you know, it is a know? tough it is a tough task angus it's going to be um thankless in a lot of ways it, it will be thankless in a lot of ways can i ask one last question from me does Angus Kelly live out of a suitcase? Does Angus <laughs> Kelly have any kind of normal life whatsoever? You know, it's funny. Uh, you wouldn't be the first person to ask me that question. Um, although I don't get to refer, refer myself in the third person, thankfully. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's Martin's, Martin reserves that right to himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Martin and the, Martin and the Queen. No, yeah. no, me and the former the former uh, Dublin City manager. I think. Who? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, as a non-Jackie, I'm lacking in the knowledge in that one. Anyway, um, but uh, look, um, I'm really lucky. You know, I'm very, very lucky. I realise how lucky I am. I realise how lucky I am because I've sat in a hole and watched people dig up uh, bodies. 
And I'm really lucky because I've been to really poor slums and seen how people live and they're not bad people and it's not anything to do with, it's just an accident of birth and accident of luck. And I'm really lucky because I'm healthy and I have a job and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not getting shot at every day like a lot of people are, whether it be in the Sahel or in Libya or in Yemen or in Myanmar or in a million other places we could go through. Um, but do I live out of a suitcase? I, you know, I, my, as a, as a very uh, committed believer in, um, in the import, in the vast importance of the climate emergency, I feel that's one of my great problems in life that I f- spend too much time in, in a tin can flying over people. And that's very bad for the planet. I hope I'm, you know, I hope I'm trying to do some good in other places. So I'm kind of um, making up for that in another way. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, again, going to, I'm, cause I'm a crazy, Looney, I'm going to start a master's, another master's in, in sustainability in the next few weeks, because um, I think that's a really important thing, that crossover between law, policy and economics on sustainability. Um, so, but I, yeah, so a very long-winded legal way of saying, yes, yeah, so I suppose to a degree I do live out of a suitcase, but I'm very used to it. But I will, won't will lie to you, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most about going to Ukraine is going to make you laugh again, probably, is actually being in the one place for a few months um, and that I'm looking forward to, to a degree and actually, you know, getting up and having a, a routine and uh, going to the gym every day or doing some exercise or whatever. And that's things I'm looking forward to. And I'm looking forward to seeing a new place. I'm working with lots of amazing people, I'm certain. And seeing the reality of the situation it won't be as real as the as those poor people who fled or as the people at the front line. But it'll be a, probably a, hopefully a good bit closer than what I'm seeing right now. So I'm looking forward to those things as well. We, we will certainly forgive you for flying, Angus, because yeah. the amount of good work you're doing, I mean, your karma is definitely in the right place. Your ledger's not in the red. Even as a lawyer, your karma is... What is the... And again, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but there's, you know, there's, there's only two born without souls, lawyers and gingers, and you're kind of both, Angus. You yeah, know, well, <laughs> true Irish style. If I shave off my beard and my mustache and high things, I'm brown haired. But then once it comes down below that, I'm, I'm red like the like. The I was born. I was born. But I was born in that way. Don't worry about it. I just can't grow can, the beard. That's it. Can we wish you the very best and to stay safe? And to do much. the best work you can. And you do represent Ireland on the world stage and you do an excellent job at it and keep up the good work. Thanks very much. I'm not so sure about that. I keep trying, though, but that's all you can do. Keep trying. So that's the most oh, important thing. Uh, please do make us one promise that you will touch base with us when you're on the when you have landed and you find yourself in a situation where you're able to get, fill us in on how things are going. We'd love to keep keep abreast of, of those developments. If that's if that's OK, could we ask that of you? You can. You can. I'll do my best. Good job. And one warning for listeners. I know everybody's getting all these scam texts and calls at the moment. There is a call going around at the moment. Um, if a woman rings you and tells you she's Liz Truss uh, and she say, offers you the job of Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, do not answer. Hang up immediately or you will become the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. Just run a mile, folks. We're back. We're back tomorrow. We're starting the pre-budget submission. So lots more coming. Uh, I want to thank Angus. Uh, and guys, listen, it's it's a fascinating start. Click the link in. You'll see more about the work that the IRIL do, and you'll you'll um and it's nice to have been put in my box about getting the uh, confusing yeah, Malawi. It was, it was lovely. Martin really enjoyed that. It was it was it made. Africa's not a country, Tony. Tony, Africa's not a country. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. We're, we're on this podcast. It's a. We're going to say it's a vibe because we're going to go, go down that road. Go on, look, let's folks. We talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye, bye. 
Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.